and welcome back to another episode of Appalachian Monsters and Mysteries. I'm Belle. And I'm Miley. And today... Sorry, I had to burp. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run, better known as the Cleveland Torso Murderer. I kind of like the first one better, honestly. Can you say that again? The Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. Right, that's a cool name. Yeah. Way cooler than the Cleveland Torso Murderer. Yeah. That makes it sound like he just kills torsos. Yeah, it does. Granted, that is where the heart is at, and so it's the easiest way to kill someone, I'd assume. I don't know what the easiest way to kill someone is. I don't know either. Um, But yes, I also prefer the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run, which is why the episode is named that. (laughs) Okay, great. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, at first, I actually wasn't going to do this case. But then I realized that all the other cases that we have in Ohio are just as horrifying. So here we are. <laughs> what, what's up with that, Ohio? Ter- uh, truly terrifying. I l- went through our list because me and Miley have like an Excel spreadsheet that we pick all of these from. And Ohio's a dark place, guys. Yeah, uh, I didn't so, realize. <laughs> yeah. Today we will be discussing this dude. I'm scared. This is part one <laughs> because he killed a lot of people. <laughs> Aren't you excited? Uh, just a warning. This case is incredibly dark and disturbing. So listener discretion is advised. Like truly when I say that discretion is advised, if you have a weak stomach or you are a child, don't listen to this episode. Okay. Well, I think that's my cue. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) it's I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry uh, by the fifth body that we find because as I was doing this research, because I had went, I had finished research and then was like reading through, adding whatever extra stuff last night. I literally was in my like office upstairs guest bedroom on the verge of just having a full blown mental. Oh no. I was texting you and I was like progress report. I only kind of want to jump off a bridge (laughs) now, but (laughs) progress. Honestly, true. Like on like to be 110% serious, listener discretion is advised with this one. Very much so for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So this one's going to be a more serious episode. Yeah. I'm scared. There's a lot of death if you're a fan of that. I mean, yeah. (laughs) So, um, in September of 1934, Cleveland was not the Cleveland we know today. I mean, duh. Uh, (laughs) America was right in the middle of the Great Depression, and it was thought to be one of the most dangerous cities in America at the time. Cleveland was. I didn't know that. Um, The only things I really know about Cleveland are the sports teams and... Not even Cleveland. Well, I do know a lot about the Cleveland sports teams. The Cavs. Shout out Kevin Love. Mm -hmm. uh, Because he definitely listens to this podcast just like Tom Hiddleston does. Um, The Indians, which Mm -hmm. are being changed to the Guardians. I didn't know that. Yeah. I have relatives that live in Cleveland. Really? Mm -hmm. And then the Browns. Go Baker Mayfield. I actually do really like Baker Mayfield. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the only thing I really know about Ohio is... The three main cities, Cleveland, Columbus, forgot the other one. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't really know that much about Cleveland, Ohio. Columbus. What's the other one <laughs> that everyone talks about? Uh, oh, my gosh. Obviously, those sorry. are the only two cities that I know. In our defense, I know we say this quite a bit, but we really do record these episodes. Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Threads. Oh, yeah. Um, we record these episodes late at night, and we the later it gets, the more brain cells we lose. And it's so hot in our studio. It's so hot. <laughs> I genuinely feel like I'm going to melt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's all we really... That's all I know about Ohio. That and theme parks. Yeah. Sorry, Ohio. I have family who's from there. Uh, I lived there briefly, I think. My mom will correct me if that's not true. <laughs> I'll get a text whenever this episode comes out being like, you never lived in Ohio. No, just kidding. Um, but yes, it's obviously 1937 in Ohio was a much different time. 1934. Sorry, I'm already ahead of myself. <laughs> much different time than 2021. Because um, it was the Great Depression. And I don't mean sadness because LeBron left the Cavs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to make jokes now because I won't be able to make them later. Yeah, let's just get them all out. Now. <laughs> uh, but I want to focus on Kingsbury Run. Uh, it was not actually a town per se. Kingsbury Run was created by those who were poor and impoverished by the effects of the Great Depression. A lot of workers were, of course, laid off or barely being paid anything. So they moved into areas like this. It was free property. So they created what is called a shanty town. I was Oh, man, I wish so much that I would have stopped you and said that because I was going to be like, are those known as shan shanty towns? Hoovervilles? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel a little bit less dumb now. That's what they would call them, Hooverville, because uh -huh. the President Hoover. Yep. Uh, Kingsbury Run and towns like it were essentially the Wild West because police and law enforcement just let them do whatever they wanted. Uh, but there was an area in particular that most of these murders took place. It was called the Roaring Third. Home to bars, brothels, gambling dens, and flop houses. Which is kind of like a hotel. Um, kind of. It's just a cheap hotel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds so like this was basically... Uh, sh sure. Sure. <laughs> Um, I would like to think that I would never go someplace like this. In retrospect, I probably would visit the Roaring Third one time and just be like, huh, that was fun. I and then never go back. I know that I never would. <laughs> I would be afraid of getting murdered. I would be too curious. Like, okay, this was in the 30s. If I didn't have a TV... Or, like, any good books or anything like that. What else am I going to do with my time? Literally anything else. Anything. I don't... Anything else besides go there my, and get murdered. I have a family. My great-grandpa, whom I'm named after, Bell, that was his last name, apparently was a killer gambler. Oh. <laughs> it's in my blood. <laughs> it's in the genes. It's in my genes. Um... So, yeah, this place was basically just running rampant Chaos. with wildness. Yeah. Hmm. So, in September, let me start that again. Uh, on September 5th, 
1934, around 8 a.m., a 34-year-old man by the name of Frank Lagasse discovered the mutilated body, we're really getting into it, guys, I'm sorry, of a woman along the shores of Lake Erie. The thing was only the woman's leg from above the knee and up to her torso were found. Wait. From so above the knee and up to her torso. Like, from the, from what I'm imagining, it was like probably the lower half of her stomach mm-hmm. to her, like, top of her knee. Okay. Which is a weird, a weird part of the body. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So Arthur Pierce, the coroner at the time, discovered that the woman was around 5'5", 115 pounds, most likely in her 30s. She had been dead for up to six months. Three of those months, her body had been in water. Uh, He also believed the body may have been in some sort of container, initially due to the lack of waterlogging in the flesh. The murderer seemed to have dismembered the woman with expert precision, clean cuts, made at the knees and the upper waist. Okay, so we were a little bit wrong. It would have been like around the belly button area. I don't like that. I don't like the clean cuts. Oh, that it gets freaks me out. so much worse, Miley. There's 13 <sighs> victims. Why is it that I would feel more comfortable if it was like... Hacking? Yeah. Why is that? Uh, that's more like a like a crime that you just decide to do with the clean cuts. I feel like it's more of a precision type crime of where like you've thought about this. Yeah, I think that the body is in front of you and you are. It's like completely conscious of conscious of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I don't like this already. Uh. The coroner to the coroner. This indicated that the killer had at least a working knowledge of human anatomy. The body was also covered in a substance causing the skin to become red, tough, and leathery. When Mm. testing it, they discovered either chloride of lime or calcium hypochlorate was the chemical used. From what I can tell, both of these are used for cleaning and have bleach-like qualities. Mm. Okay. Or literally are bleach, basically. Okay. Um, Don't come for me when it comes to knowledge of chemicals. (laughs) Yeah. That is not my forte. Uh, They did discover a small scar indicating she had had her uterus removed, but that was a common surgery. Oh, okay. So so mainly that was meant that they couldn't trace back who it was. Uh, So she was unidentified. Oh. She was dubbed as the Lady of the Lake by police, and her case has not been solved. It's horrible. The Lady of the Lake case seemed to be a one-time thing until one year later, September 23rd, 1935, the south side of Kingsbury Run, there were two boys playing ball. We do not cuss, if you haven't, if you couldn't tell. We do not use profanities on this podcast. Because, one... I have to go back and listen to this podcast um, to get quotes and stuff. <laughs> and I have two two-year-olds who repeat everything that comes <laughs> out of my mouth. And so if I cuss or say anything out of turn, they will repeat it. Um, but this is the name of a location. And so I genuinely yeah. was like, what should I do? This is the exception. 
Yeah. So I'll only say it once and then I will just refer to it as the hill. <laughs> um, but this was an actual place. <laughs> and I try to give proper locations on everything that we talk about. And so I was really torn. Yeah. Um, so on the south side of Kingsbury Run, there were two boys playing ball on Jackass Hill. 12-year-old Peter Costura and 16-year-old James Wagoner. I'm just going to speed right past it. <laughs> the boys discovered the decapitated body of a man at the bottom of the hill. He had been emasculated and drained of all blood. His body was clean and all he had on was a pair of socks. He was believed to be in his 20s and had rope burns on both of his wrists and his legs. About 20 feet away, they found his head buried in the ground. He was identified as Edward Andresi. There's so much. There's there's so much. Yeah. His body. So, okay. It talks about how his body was drained of all blood. I actually, yeah. my mom is a nurse, as I've talked about on the show before. Um, I asked her how long it would take a body to be drained of blood. She looked at me pretty strange. <laughs> um, my sis, my future sister-in-law, Charity, was also there. And so was my brother. <laughs> Nicholas was just like, this sounds about right. Charity <laughs> looked at me a bit strange. Honestly, who could blame her? But um, yeah. I asked my mom how long it would take. And she said that especially since the body was like cut like cut up mm -hmm. in a lot of these cases it would not take long for them to drain the blood at all especially if they were cut at the legs because your femoral artery is one of the main arteries in your body okay yeah and so i was like how long do you think it would take and she said for a blood to naturally drain out of the body it'd probably take a few hours oh and his head was buried. Yeah, it was buried. Oh, Some people from? say it was like a few, just like 20 feet away. Uh, that kind of. Why do you think that he buried the head? I have The rest of the body was just there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at the bottom of the hill. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Truly, I really don't know. Like, it, does, it doesn't make sense to me, really. I mean, it was right beside the body, so it's not like he was... Burying the head, like... Well, it was a few feet, like, it was possibly even, like, 20 feet away. But still, it's pretty close. Like, I mean, if you did, if you wanted it separated from the body, then, like, take it to a different location or something. Yeah, I re like, that's one thing that... Aww. There's a few burns. of these cases where weird stuff like that happens. Yeah. Where it just doesn't really add, like, add up makes sense. Yeah. Because we're both very into psychology and i always look at uh like motives and yeah why people do things and i don't know with that i really don't know shockingly also only a few feet away from where andresi was discovered another headless body was found both men were decapitated as i said and castrated as well and they were both covered in the strange substance like the lady in the lake and this man was also completely bloodless. I just also remembered that he only had his socks on the first one. Yeah, that that really doesn't make sense. And the second one, did he not have anything on? From as far as I can tell, he was completely naked. Yeah, from what I could find. Um, so the second body was believed to be around forty years old. He was never identified. Both men died of decapitation, but the second man seemed to have died before. This okay. Let me explain this. The second victim died before the first man that they found. 
Okay. So the second victim that they found, the 40 year old, died before Edward and Dracy. Yeah. Okay. Um, because the decomposition was more evident on him. Okay. Got yeah. On. After heavily heavily inspecting the area, genitals, bloody clothing, a torch, and pieces of rope, as well as a bucket containing a mixture of car oil and blood, were found about 70 feet from the crime scene. Let me repeat that. Genitals, bloody clothes, a torch, a piece of rope, and a bucket containing a mixture of car oil and blood. Nothing about this is making any sense. Yeah. Car oil? Car oil and blood. What would that? <sighs> I don't know what car oil does to your skin, On like, honestly. Yeah, I, mean, I don't feel like it would do much. It's oil. I mean, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think so. Why is it mixed with the blood? Okay, sorry. Uh, both cases were left unsolved. From the sounds oh. of it, uh, Edward and Dracy uh, was a pretty thriving member of the Roaring Third. He was around there a lot. Some people thought it was a mob hit. Some people believed that he had slept around with someone's wife and got killed. Some people believe he was killed because he was a homosexual. Some people believe that he was killed because he had debts that he had to repay back to gam- like to gambling dens. But none of those theories really panned out. The second guy literally was never even identified. They don't know who it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that we're talking about these cases because they do connect, but... yeah. Mm, they they both still had the same substance as the lady in the lake yeah but surprisingly the lady in the lake case wasn't linked to the torso murderers until like years later and i'll get into that later okay um so yeah we're we're at three victims now I just have to include this one detail that could or could not be true. But when I read it, I died laughing. Uh, So as they were looking for suspects of this crime, a man who was regularly spotted on the hill looking shifty with a pair of binoculars turned out to be a man looking for a woman across the hill to send a signal that her husband wasn't home. (laughs) This man was almost accused of murder because he was having an affair with a woman who was married (laughs) it gives off major like daisy tom and gatsby vibes honestly Uh, that is pretty funny right i had to have a light note (laughs) in there that would really suck could you imagine (laughs) seriously be like i swear i didn't do it i was just trying to sleep with this marriage lady oh my god Um, so now back to the dark stuff or darker stuff. I mean, cheating's pretty dark, but (laughs) leaving the case of the two dead men unsolved in September, we venture into January 26th, 1936. Let me set the scene. One cold morning, a woman informs the local butcher, Charles Page, that there appears to be some left meat behind his building at the white front meat market. Because she saw this dog, like, absolutely losing its mind, trying to get to, like, this certain area over there. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, okay. Obviously, there's meat back there. And so, Charles Page, the butcher, believing that he had been robbed, goes back to check, like, check what it is that this dog is absolutely losing it over. Mm -hmm. 
uh, discovers various body parts of a woman wrapped in newspaper. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that would, I mean, it, it's a, a meat place. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to hide a body. <laughs> yeah, except the body parts. Yeah. That's human body parts. Um, now the exact details of what he found are iffy. Some say it was all of her. Some say it was only various pieces and the rest were found in a dump yard. But considering there's no longer any official paperwork on this, it's left to speculation. Yeah. What? what we do know is there were fingerprints that matched to a Florence Palillo. Palillo, I think. I think that's what it was. A uh, 42-year-old Flo was an interesting lady, to say the least. She was a waitress, sex worker, and housewife. She also had a severe drinking problem and was known quite well by police and the people of the Roaring Third. So her fingerprints were just found at the scene. Uh, no, they like what was found in wrapped in newspaper is never really like I read so many different things where so many different pieces of this woman were found, but her one of her hands was found, which has her fingerprints on it, mm-hmm. and so at least we know who she was. Oh, so the body was the body was Florence. Oh. Palillo. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm caught up. Um, but like I said, she was also another pretty popular member of this weird little right. community. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you think it's gonna start getting better, you're wrong. Fast forward to June 5th. Two boys decide to skip school and found a head. Oh. Well, I would they probably never skip school again. Their lesson. Uh we're back on the hill for this one. Uh <laughs> What? Why? I wonder if he. I wonder if this person just thought thought it was funny. You know, maybe <laughs> he obviously has a strange sense of humor in the first place. Yeah. Uh, they discovered a decapitated head of a white male wrapped in a pair of pants. Yeah. The kids obviously freaked out and ran home to tell their parents, and then went to the police. They discovered the rest of the man's clothes covered in blood, and the next day they found his body drained of blood and killed from decapitation. They did get his fingerprints. And also studied his six detailed tattoos um, and created a picture to show people, along with a plastered model of his head that hundreds of people saw in Cleveland. But as he was called, like, he was only referred to as the tattoo man because he was never identified. And you can still see these, like, plastered, like, models of their face in the Cleveland, I think it's the Cleveland Police Museum. In the next episode, I'll give all the details of like the museums and stuff that this information is in. Can because there is. Can we go? Can we go? Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> we can go to a Cavs game to see K-Love and yeah. then uh, okay. go see like sports. molds of dead people. Yeah, two of my favorite things, sports and dead people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that probably um, was inappropriate for this episode. I take it back. Sports <laughs> and creepy stuff. There we go. Uh, here's a list of his tattoos because I thought that they were interesting. A heart and an anchor on his left forearm. A butterfly on the left shoulder. The letters WCG on his left forearm as well. And the names Helen and Paul on his right forearm don't know that's interesting the comic strip character jigs on his left calf 
and a cupid and an anchor on his right calf. See, there are a lot of tattoos. How did nobody... Some people believe that he might have been a sailor because like the anchor and all that stuff, the heart and the anchor on his forearm, all the tattoos, they think he might have been a sailor. Yeah, that makes sense then. How sad. Yeah, that is sad. The saga continues. July 22nd, 1936, near the west side of Cleveland, a teenage girl discovers a decapitated 40-year-old white male. He was believed to be dead for about two months and most likely had been killed where his body was found. Um, His genitals were also removed. A few feet away, his head and a pile of bloody clothes were found. This was one of the only bodies where he was killed where he was found. Okay. So how do, like, when these people died, how do they line up? I'm I'm trying to think of, like, It's a few months apart. Okay, so. Because this person, the person, the one person in the woods on the west side was July 22nd. Then the next person was September 10th. Okay. Um, And then the next one after him. uh, One second. Is February 23rd. So he spaced them out. And I honestly, I think that's what helped him get away with it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. This person got away with it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't know either. <laughs> yeah. In the next episode, you will hear um, who they really believe did it because there's a few strong it's a lot like the zodiac killer case there's so many strong leads that they had of people who honestly when you hear it you can decide for yourself because as i was reading through them there's so many people who i was like yes this person like how did they not arrest him there's so much stacking up against him but we'll let you guys decide that in the next episode (laughs) Um, now, through all of these murders, one thing was sure. This man was strong, like really strong. He was decapitating people, and he knew how to use a knife. All of this information led to the coroner to report, this is his words, the killer is apparently a sex maniac of the sadistic type. This is indicated by the condition of his victims. He is probably a muscular man. The slayer definitely has expert knowledge of human anatomy. The incisions of his knife are clean and were made in each case without guesswork. He may have gathered his knowledge of anatomy as a medical student, or it is possible that he is a butcher. Mm, I don't like it. Yeah. With fear and outrage and, well, a murderer on the loose in old Cleveland, the police department put detectives Peter Marillo, sorry. Yeah, I had to make sure that I said that right. Uh, and Martin Zaliski. Zali- yep, I had to make sure I said that one right too. Uh, they put them on the case. They proceeded to interview over a thousand people and the department as a whole interviewed roughly 5,000 people in total. How many people lived in Cleveland at the time? A lot, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know how many people live in Cleveland now. Elliot Ness was put in charge of the investigation, and he was a big wig because he and his team were the ones to break, like, break down a lot of the illegal activity that happened in Chicago, oh. like Al Capone. 
oh, level wow. stuff. Okay. Yeah. So he like, there really couldn't have been a, a better man yeah. for the job. It's experience. Also, this was an election year. And that matters mm. for this case, at least, uh, because with it came a new coroner, Sam oh. Gerber. Um, so things kind of calmed down for about six months until February 23rd, 1937. A man discovered the upper torso of a woman while looking for driftwood in Beulah Park Beach. This was almost the exact spot that the first victim, the Lady of the Lake, was found. The cause of death was not decapitation. They believed that happened post-mortem. The lower half of the body washed up three months later. The woman was in her mid-20s and was never identified. And it actually wasn't until this moment, like February 23rd, 1937, that people started to connect the dots and realize that the Lady of the Lake was the first victim of the Cleveland oh, Torso Killer. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that kind of helped kind of connect them put that puzzle together. Them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I left a note in uh in my file here <laughs> and it says just to give some context i wrote this at like 1 a.m and by this point i'm hitting a point of delirium where i just want people to stop getting decapitated <laughs> isn't that the dream <laughs> anyone needs some mental state while i write these episodes that's a peek into it you can also follow us on instagram because sometimes i do updates in the middle of the night of just me like lagging by my desk <laughs> And just asking God why. <laughs> because they don't stop. June 6, 1937, another body was found. A teenage boy. This? At this point, I've lost count, honestly. Okay. Okay. A lot. Too many. Too many. A lot of dead people. A teenage boy discovers a skull under the bridge in downtown Cleveland. When the police showed up, they found that some of the remains were in a burlap bag next to the skull. Due to her dental work, she had three gold crowns and some bridge work done, which was out of the ordinary. Like It wasn't like a normal thing to have this much dental work done. So it was easy for them to trace and figure out who it was. Uh, She was identified as Rose Wallace, a 40-year-old sex worker. And this is actually, from what I can tell, the only black victim so far. So he deviated from his regular MO of mainly white people. Yeah. And yeah, but she was still a sex worker from the Roaring Third. So it's almost like his original plan wasn't so much like exclusively white people Mm -hmm. it was just these crappy people of the roaring third yeah but in some cases you we don't know who these people even were so it's like i mean there's a possibility of of one of them being a sailor yeah and so it's just his his mo is kind of harder to figure out because he cut the like arms and heads off yeah, of these people, right. which is the main way to identify literally anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we really don't know. Yeah. So you really can't figure out what his MO is so far. All we really know is that like it may be, it is people of the roaring third. Yeah. Um, July 6th, a torso floating in the, I meant to look this up. So if I pronounce it wrong, I'm sorry, Clevelanders. Cuyahoga River. I'm really sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, was discovered by Captain Murano. Uh, Raiderman. 
That's his last name. Raiderman. After searching the river, more of the man's body parts were found other than his head. Disturbingly enough, he was completely gutted, including a missing heart. He appeared to be in his mid to late 30s. He was never identified. Disturbingly enough, the man's wounds showed that the lines were not as clean and his cuts were not as precise. The coroner made the educated guess that the killer's knife may be getting duller with time. So he's having to hack the victims now. Okay. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, April 8th, 1938, another person's body was discovered in the Cuyahoga River. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, please tell me people from Ohio. I'm sure that I am. I literally looked it up last night and repeated it like 13 times and still <laughs> suck. Um but, but this body was discovered by a man walking his dog. The lower half of a woman's leg was found. A month later, police pulled two burlap bags out of the river containing both parts of the torso and the rest of both legs. But this victim was slightly different. Drugs were found in her system. Morphine, to be exact. So much of it was found in her lungs that it could have been the cause of death. But they really couldn't know if this was from the murderer or if she was just an addict and then got caught up in a crappy situation. Also, the murders were getting even more disturbing as it seemed the woman's ribs were snapped with the killer's bare hands. Ew. So he's obviously getting like more bloodthirsty. And I hate to use that word, but he's getting a lot more vicious in his like murders. Yeah. And if you notice, they're getting closer together. I just can't help but imagine at this point in time, it's crazy enough. I mean, the woman being found beside water, that's creepy in and of itself. But then they just keep happening and keep happening. Like just body parts, random body parts, decapitated heads. Yeah. I mean, the June and the July murders were literally a month apart. But then he waited until April 8th of 1938 to kill again. So he went all the way from July to April. So, like, it's like he's doing it in groupings. Yeah. So odd. August 16th, 1938. Three men discovered the torso of a woman who, oddly enough, was wrapped in brown paper, a jacket, and then wrapped in an old quilt. The legs and arms were then discovered in a newly made makeshift box, also wrapped in brown paper, but they were held together by rubber bands. The head was also wrapped up this way. Gerber, the coroner, made sure to note the parts of the body seemed to have been refrigerated. Um, She was believed to have been dead four to six months before her body was discovered. Mm. So now he's refrigerating people. And that's the thing, like... That's what makes it so hard to figure out who this person is. Is because his MO was like all over the place. I mean, yeah, yeah. he cut people up, but. Can you imagine finding a, just a torso of a human body? No, I don't want to. I think that I would just be scarred for life after that. I definitely would be. My mind, I'm. <laughs> I'm just so silent because I'm just trying to take it all in. (laughs) It's also creepy that how many more people could he have? I mean, once he started, like, storing the body. Yeah, right. How many more people could he have? And he's just deciding when 
to put them out there. Yeah. It's like, I do understand to some extent, obviously people like this are psychopaths. They're not yeah, there's sane, always something in their brain that we will not consider. Yeah. Um, because our brains obviously don't work in the process of like being able to mentally process murdering someone. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> but it's one of those things where you really do wonder like what kind of mental limit does someone hit to the point of where they're doing this? I mean, for years at this point, the first yeah. body was found in 1934. We're in 1938 now. Yeah. And I I feel like I can kind of understand the power thing. So I feel like that has a lot to do with murderers and them like just loving to feel the power over somebody. Yeah. And like an adrenaline rush. Like what like kleptos get yeah. and stuff like that. But even being able to store the body and then just like Put it out there yeah. whenever they feel like it My and thing is, people to discover it. I also somewhat believe that parts of the bodies of these people were never going to be found because a lot of serial killers keep trophies. Mm-hmm. Like not the good ones. I shouldn't say the good ones. Uh, not the um, smarter ones because that's how you get caught a lot of times right. is from the trophies. Yeah. But parts of these people's body and i mean like okay the great lakes lake erie mm-hmm. has like waves like an ocean i mean yeah. if he threw it out there there's a possibility that it could never be washed up again yeah so i mean there's a possibility that he put it there but a lot of it is just like i don't know uh, and how how does he get them to to the spot. Well, I guess if it's late at night, there aren't that many people out. But still, like you said, this has gone on for years. Yeah. I mean, so many victims. This is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. There's more. <laughs> I sound so excited, right? Sorry, I messed with my earring. Um, not far from the woman, another body was found by a man who had come to the crime scene because by this point, it was just like a spectacle. Yeah. Um, to... And that makes me mad too, because I'm like... All these people can crowd around and see this dead body and see the police literally uncovering it. And you have to know that the killer is there because they just like love this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's not like that every time, but a lot of times they're like they thrive off of it. Mm -hmm. And that that makes me like annoyed because then these people are not they're getting like the pleasure out of it. Yeah. No. But I mean, it's not like they could stop Cleveland residents from seeing what was going on. They can only like tape off so much of a crime scene. Yeah. So the pelvis, ribs, vertebrae and skull of a man were found. He had been dead for seven months. And some of the bones that were found with his were determined not to be human. 
Uh, what's crazy is that the two bodies had been placed in a location that was in plain view from Elliot Ness's office window. The guy over this entire case. Ooh, that's a slap in the face. And both of those victims were never identified. I feel like we had one other one that I missed. Because there were so many. Yeah. So how many were there? 13 in all. 13? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so were all of these bodies... Were they found shortly after they were placed there? Does that make sense? Or it doesn't really they... say. Uh, some people believe that they were dead for like two to three days and then they were found. So it's really like decomposition. It didn't really go into a ton of detail about the decomp that a person goes through. Okay. I did miss one. Oh. I'm sorry. September 10th, 1936. I didn't say this one right. A man who was jumping trains in Kingsbury Run stumbled upon, and I literally mean he stumbled. He tripped over the upper torso of a man. After contacting police and a crowd largely growing around the crime scene, his police fished out the lower torso and parts of both legs from an open sewage site nearby. The man had been drained of blood, castrated, and his head was never found. He also died of decapitation. I did miss that one. Sorry. I had to go back. That's 13 and all, though. And that was part one of the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. Uh, next week, we discuss the absolutely bonkers things that Elliot Ness did to try and catch this killer and the people believe who we believe might have done it. Yay. I'm excited. Hope you were, too. It. This is... Like, the Son of Sam murders were dark, obviously. Mm-hmm. But there's another level of, like, disgustingness to these yeah. because he cut them up. Like, no offense to Son of Sam because he's still alive. Actually, full offense. He <laughs> killed a bunch of people. Um, He shot and ran. Yeah. This guy, like, yeah. decapitated people and then cut their body up like, into so parts. That's what gets me is that he really took the time to. I don't know. He put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what messed me up with this case so much as I was doing research and like why I'm even so scrambled reading it off is because there's not many murderers that we've talked about on the show or in general that I've heard of that have put this much thought thought yeah into their and like crimes patient almost yeah i mean because like jeffrey dahmer was absolutely horrible and i mean he did put thought into it more so than like a ted bundy or son of sam Mm -hmm. but the cleveland torso murderer or the mad butcher of kingsbury run really like set aside time Mm -hmm. to Cut these people up, store them in a re- in a refrigeration system of some kind, uh, soak their body. It was almost it was almost like he was doing experiments on them. Uh, I literally just had that come to my mind because remember in the earlier cases, the lady, the lake, and the two other men, their bodies were soaked yeah. in whatever, and also the blood and oil car oil mix. Yeah, 
it's almost that's what makes me kind of lean towards and we'll get into it like i said in the next episode that he could have been in in medicine a medical student of some kind because he's cutting these bodies up in certain ways if there was he could have been a dropout mm-hmm. he could have been in i mean yeah i mean it's not normal for you to know that much about anatomy and no be able to make i would never know how cuts. to cut a body up no and i definitely don't think i'd be strong enough to be able to cut through bone yeah and i was thinking about a butcher too but i mean i, I think a medical that's my thing because with a butcher you you know the right cuts of meat mm-hmm you don't know how to cut a human up. Right. Because they're dealing with more pigs, cows, stuff yeah. like that. I'd say human skin is different. Mm-hmm. Our blood is even a little bit different, I'm sure. And the human anatomy is way freaking different than a cow or a pig. Yeah. And so it's like maybe the cut, like cut-wise, storage-wise, there could be a convenience for being a butcher. But when it boils down to knowing where to cut the body and also draining it of blood which could also be a butcher but knowing where to cut the body is what i'm stuck on because you're cutting like like my mom said right at those main like femoral artery the artery in your neck he's hitting main arteries and so the blood is gonna yeah come out like fast that's just so many victims 13 him to not get caught. Get away with it. Uh, and when was the last, the last case? The thirty. One second. Eight. It was thirty-eight. Yeah, it was nineteen thirty-eight. August sixteenth, nineteen thirty-eight. Well, that's another <laughs> that was episode of Our Plush and Monsters and Mysteries. Uh, Come back next week to figure out who could have done it. Yeah. Part two coming soon. And you also get to hear how Elliot Ness literally just started to burn down people's houses. Literally. The man went crazy. Nice. I can't wait to hear about yeah, that. Yeah. Full blown. This dude went nutso. Like Al Capone didn't break him. But this dude who has cut people up. Really yeah. broke this guy psychologically. Yeah. And you'll get to hear all about it next week. <laughs> uh, so that was part one of the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury run. Make sure that you are subscribed to our YouTube channel so you can not only listen to us talk about this, but see our facial expressions as we uh, snarl in disgust. Yeah, literally. That's that was it. my entire face. Appalachian. My, my face the entire time. <laughs> Monsters and Mysteries with the and symbol. Follow us on Instagram at amnpod. Follow us on TikTok. We could have posted one by now. It's September. We might get wild. Uh, that's also amnpod. Uh, like us on Facebook at amnpod or Appalachian Monsters and Mysteries. And like us on Twitter at mm-hmm. amnpod1. And email us at AppalachianMM at Gmail. We love to hear from you guys. Um, I'd love to hear if I pronounced that river right at all, because I feel like I didn't. <laughs> um, tell just, us we do our best. what you think of Kevin Love. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I think that he's kind of dramatic and he's a little bit too old to be playing basketball, but that's besides the point. <laughs> this isn't a sports podcast. If it was, I'd really be in over my head.
Unless we were talking about baseball. I don't know. I love sports. I can talk about basketball. I can talk about players that I know. LeBron James. Mm. J.R. Smith. He doesn't even play basketball anymore. He's in college now. Yeah, I don't really know. I know facts like that. College players. But yeah, (laughs) that was another episode. Thanks for enduring that with us. It means a lot that you were there for us during this hard time. (laughs) Bye, guys.